Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Strategic Whimsy Experiment. Today, we're reviewing a film that has gained so much momentum and is also quite unexpected. Today, we're reviewing the 2019 film Parasite from director Bong Joon Ho. Sarah, do you want to kick us off with an IMDb summary? Yes. An unemployed family takes particular interest in the wealthy and glamorous parks as they ingratiate themselves into their lives and get entangled in an unexpected incident. Okay, and then now our own personal summaries of Parasite. Um, The Farewell meets Con Artists meets a Tarantino twist. Oh, I like that you weaved in the farewell in there. Uh huh. That was yeah. interesting. Okay, mine's a lot <laughs> less creative. <laughs> uh, mine is a violent social satire spanning all the genres that is also wildly delicate. That is very accurate. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so maybe I, it's tricky to talk about this film without talking about spoilers, but maybe let's try for a hot two seconds and then we'll dive (laughs) in um, with all of the spoiler alerts flashing. Um, Because this is definitely one that you need to go in without knowing the plot. Oh yeah, 100%. Um, I knew nothing about this film going into it. Uh, We had found it and had it on our list of things to review. Um, But I really didn't know much about it. Uh, I didn't realize that it was a Korean film and there would be English subtitles. So I was very shocked when I walked into the theater and sat down. (laughs) Um, But this, this film was very surprising to me. Um, I really enjoyed it. It is thoughtful and entertaining and like you said Jen like it is a a mix of all different genres kind of thrown into one Um, and but it also has a lot to say so not only is it entertaining but and like well done but it's a very thoughtful piece and there's a lot of meat to dive into about it (laughs) for sure I didn't didn't watch the trailers, didn't know much about this film as well before going into it. I, I it, You're right. It was on our radar. Um, we had it on our list of films that we would like to review, that we were excited about. I didn't expect for it to gain so much momentum, actually. I'm so surprised about that, which we can talk a little bit about. Um, but the fact that a foreign film with no English, where you're reading the subtitles, um, with a full... South Korean cast is making so many waves, not just in like the film critics realm, but also like so many of my friends and people at work have gone and seen this. So it's, it's very much trickled into the, the masses. And I find that in itself so fascinating. Um, it's a lot like sports in a funny way. Like there are these things that make no logical sense. And yet like it is, it is unexpected and unpredictable. Um, the films that are become wildly successful and gain that momentum. Uh, I, I also went into this film with the impression from how it was described to me and some of the genre headings that it was going to be a thriller. And we can dive into that <laughs> perhaps in spoilers, but I, I wished that I didn't know that beforehand um I wish there was just no genre it was genreless before going in and the third thing that I loved about this film is that you know I'm a sucker for anything that has some sort of social commentary and it does it in a way that is so wildly (laughs) entertaining so this checked all of those boxes and it's it's a fun ride and then you leave the theater feeling like you need to unpack it. <laughs> um, and I loved that about this film. So perhaps this is where we insert our flashing red lights for our spoiler alert. Yep, I think now is a good a time <laughs> as any. All right, so if you haven't seen Parasite, 
this is a film that we highly recommend you don't read the plot summaries i would even stay away from most of the reviews of the film um i was reading many of them and they they do go into a lot of plot points so um or hint at them very very strongly so uh go in blind this is one that would be really great to go in blind for all right so let's start unpacking it where should we begin Oh gosh, I don't even know. There are so many different places that we could start. So I'm really curious your thoughts on the ending. Let's let's start there. Go straight. Go straight to the end. Um, how did you feel about the way that the film ended, specifically the last 10 minutes of it with the voiceover and the vision of him being reunited with his father and then that being kind of ripped away from us. I loved that the happy ending was ripped away. Like I'm, I'm usually a fan of that. Um, if an ending is too happy, then I usually call BS. Um, <laughs> so, you know, when it, when it was going that route, I was like, Oh no, don't ruin this movie with that ending. Um, and I, I kind of like that they, they, they brought it full circle and they kind of ended where they began. Um, it's, it's not the cheeriest of messages, but it, it also shows just the, the ride that the pursuit of wealth um, can kind of take you on. And I, mm. I also love that it wasn't, um, completely attached to that rock. Like that was the other thing that I was worried about, like that it would be too <laughs> much that this rock is the one that's bestowing the money and taking the money away. Um, and I feel like that that's not where this film landed. It was very much like, you know, you are in control of, of some of your decisions and, and you make certain decisions and you'll get rewarded for it. And then other decisions you'll just, you know, end up paying the price for. So mm. I like that it wasn't this like, oh, we are powerless to, you know, whatever this rock bestows upon us. <laughs> this magical rock. This magical rock decides <laughs> I'm going to be filthy rich. Yeah. I, I, I know that a bunch of um, critics' reviews feel like the ending was a, a little bit unrealistic and um, just was too not needed and took too much time. I actually feel like the fact that we got that vision of what a happy ending was and then it's entirely ripped away from us was so effective. It worked on me, so I'm a fan. Um, I too uh, was beginning to be very worried when we were going down that pathway and there was the shot of him buying the home and I was like, oh my God, are you kidding me? This can't be the way this ends because it's too easy. And it almost communicates the wrong message about how the people that are in poverty have that accessibility to um, change their their class that, that easily. And I was about to be very upset. And then he ripped it away and I was... I was so um, beginning to be attached to this this that that image of the him hugging his father, and to then see it cut away from that shot, and he's just in his bed, dreaming of this. And I think my take on what the film is trying to say is that it's very likely that this this boy is never going to be reunited with his father again because of the lack of so social mobility. And, oh man, I thought that was so effective in driving home that point of the way that that poor family is, is almost stuck in a lot of ways. Yeah, there wasn't, you know, it's not a Cinderella story. It's not, mm. you know, nobody's going to swoop in and, and save you, um, which is, it's, it's really eye-opening. I feel like especially for, you know, people in America 
because we're we're taught, you know, the the rags to riches story, yes. and you know, the American dream is the the pursuit of the impossible, and you can do it, and set your mind to it, and you'll achieve your dreams. Like all of this crap is infused mm-hmm. in our daily ethos, and we grow up on it. And to see a film that's so contrary and is depicting um, a point of view and a a way of life for people that, you know, we in America don't usually think of was really, really powerful. So I'm, I'm really glad that this has gotten um, so much, I don't know, buzz, even Mm. in this country. Yeah, because that alternate ending where he gets that Cinderella story is so American. And I think the tricky thing is when we do have those 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 beams of of that being possible um, in our history and we talk about them and we celebrate them and there's books written about them. Like there are those um, those lucky ones that somehow tapped into the the right industry at the right time, whether it was a steel industry, whether it was a tech industry, right? And then rose from where they were up to um, that 1%. But those, again, there were so many um, social forces and factors that played into that one person being able to do the impossible. Um, but I think we, we talk about it and we celebrate it as if it were commonplace. And Sarah, you and I talk about this quite often, um, but there's so many um, social forces, economic forces, and factors that don't allow for that same equal pursuit of opportunity for the poor, especially in America, that um, we we almost think that we do or that we communicate that we do have. And the other thing that I really appreciated about how they they told this story is that they didn't villainize the those who are wealthy. I feel like um, in in these stories um, in America, especially like the the poor people are the heroes and then the rich people are the villains. And it's once the poor people become, you know, the ending is they then become rich and the villains then become poor and yay all is right with the world. But like, that wasn't the case with this, like the, the wealthy people, the parks were not evil, you know, they weren't malicious. They didn't, as far as I could tell, you know, amass their wealth through, um, I don't know, immoral or unethical means, or Mm -hmm. they just, it is what it is. And I like that they didn't paint, um, the the poor as good and righteous and the wealthy as evil and is more of this is the reality of class disparity mm-hmm. take a look at it yeah it's 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 fascinating too because he almost takes that and turns it on his head with the the ending and the fact that the father in a moment of of frustration and rage and years of being looked down upon <laughs> commits this act of violence. Um, and so he, you're right. He, he definitely does not make them as righteous, but he paints them more and focuses more, I think on their desperation. And I think it resonates a lot because it, that, that feeling of desperation is, is pretty universal. I think we've all in different ways, it perhaps is not anywhere close to, um, the Kim family, but we felt some sort of desperation and that that feeling of pent up emotion coming out in a way that we didn't expect. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Like even though I don't know what it's like to be in that kind of poverty, and I don't speak the language or am part of the culture that these people are in. Like it was very relatable, the emotions mm-hmm. that they were experiencing. It was so human and so visceral, the way that they portrayed it on the screen. It was it was very well done. Yeah, and you didn't see the poor as the villains when he commits that as well. It's you really empathize with them because I think we've had 
an hour and 45 minutes to connect with them and spend time with them. I like the way that the film sparks and creates building empathy for us with the Kims is really um, quite smart. Even though they're, we know what they're doing is bad and manipulative and whatnot. We've already been able to spend time with them and see them, um, joking around with each other and just wanting so badly to survive and to make some sort of change in their lives and there's there's a, like a level of respect there of they're trying um and they haven't given up and i think that that really resonates with us as human beings so um the empathy built for the full length of the film um really protects us from ever feeling like they become the villain at the end at all. And I love how strategic they were with that building of empathy. Like, I don't know about you, but I, I kind of went through like a, like a roller coaster of how I felt about that family. Um, Cause at first I was like, Oh man, that sucks that you're that poor. You're living in this basement thing. Like that is rough. And then, you know, when they started to kind of go down this path of, of um, making their way into the park family, I was kind of like, well, this feels really unethical. Like, couldn't you have made money in a different way? And it was like, right when I was asking that question that they had that scene where they were eating lunch in the, it was like a driver's cafeteria or something. Mm -hmm. And it was like a really quick line, but he said something to the effect of like all of these businesses that he had tried to build and failed. Yeah. And so it was, it was so perfect because I was asking the question and then they answered it and I was like, Oh my gosh, this is wonderful. So like anytime I had one of those kind of questions about like, man, should I be empathetic toward this family? Like they gave me just the nugget that I needed to, continue to root for them and want good for them, even if what they were doing was not the best choice. And that pacing, the awareness of, of how to pace those little nuggets and where and when to put them in is so delicate and, and it's so subtle. Um, but man, when it's effective, it works so well. I think I... I had less of those questions, to be honest, so I'm glad you have a greater moral compass than I, because I just, I was so appreciative that this family is able to be clever, and they're trying their best in a, in a way that is probably not ethical, but um, I, I, I loved that they were they're figuring out how to make something of themselves and it, it was more tragic for me to to see the father telling his son essentially like you just don't you shouldn't care about anything anymore um and it, you could see him beginning to give up and that felt way more um weighty and and tragic to me to see kind of that fire to want to make something of themselves, to try beginning to dim. Um, I think that becomes a lot, what's the word I'm looking for? When they lose that fire and they lose that purpose, I think their their existence and their the meaning in their lives begins to, to fade. And that, as a human being, is, I think, really difficult to watch on the screen. And it also helps give, you know, so much more empathy for the son too. And it helps develop that character. And, mm -hmm. you know, he felt such a sense of responsibility for his family because his father had given up. His father was in this deep state of despair. And I feel like his mom was right there with him too. Yeah. So it was really on these kids' shoulders to go, okay, well, we're going to provide for this family. We're going to make this happen. Um, and they did. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, that, that it's a moment of 
foreshadowing or um, build up to the ending because you see that he's now taking this responsibility on and you see that he has this desire to make it happen. But the question that the ending left me with was just, is it, is he ever going to be able to get there or is he going to spend his life working towards this dream but still never be able to really change his family's circumstances and ultimately to to be reunited with his father um the the fact that the the father is now added to the stakes of him changing his family's circumstances is so smart to do because if it was just them figuring out how to become um, more wealthy and to provide for themselves, like, yeah, we can get behind that. But the fact that they added the father to the stakes just raised the bar for the fact that it may never happen for them and how, how that weightiness feels for you as the viewer. Yeah, it makes it even more tragic because... Yeah you you see like i mean they they tried to pull themselves out of poverty for we don't even know for how long before we were introduced to them and mm. to no avail and so you just you feel the hopelessness and the weight of it um yeah it's it's a pretty tragic film yeah exactly and the <laughs> the fact that the son also wants to do it the right way like he, in that voiceover, he says, he's like, I'm going to go to university and I'm going to get married and I'm going to make a lot of money and I'm going to buy that house. It's like, I, I just thought to myself, like, how are you going to do that? Like, how, how are you going to yeah. make enough money to buy one of the top homes um, that's has all this architectural history and da, 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 da. like, I just don't, maybe I'm more cynical. <laughs> But I just didn't see it happen. The likelihood of it happening was so low to me that that ending felt so tragic. You're right. It is a yeah. for a film that has a lot of funny moments and a lot of thrill. The ending leaves you on this really blue note. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, and I, I think that's. I think that's the the point is to leave you with this like crap. Like he will never be reunited with his father, not for lack of trying, but simply because of the the wealth disparity that's present in that country. Like he'll he'll probably be able to move from you know ultra poor living in a semi basement to you know maybe the, the higher end of poor, not living in a semi-basement, maybe living on the first floor. Yeah. But yeah, I think, I think you're supposed to be left with that, like, oh crap, this is wrong. This mm -hmm. is tragic. And it's, it's a shame that so many people throughout the world live in that space of, I was born into this class and I'm going to die in this class no matter how much I do or how hard I work or how intelligent I am or gifted I am, this is where I'm going to stay. Yeah. And the film gives you the time to also see that this boy is smart. He has learned English. The sister is talented with um, tools for, for, for illustrator, for Photoshop. Like they have, they have the grit, they have the fire they have a lot of skill sets, but it's not enough. And I and I, I think that was smart for the film to do as well, is to showcase their talents and their cleverness. Um, and ultimately, you feel you still feel like it's not going to be enough for them to change their circumstance. Like these people are not dumb by any means. Oh heck no! Nope, <laughs> they were incredibly gifted yeah. people, and yet. Living in a semi-basement. Yeah. Unemployed. Yeah. I, and I think the, to go back to the ending, they, the film is also very intentional about slowing us down in those last mm, five minutes or so. 
I think the the music is a, very melancholy. We've got this kind of like slow voiceover where we don't see anyone talking or interacting, but it's just him speaking at this much slower, reflective pace. Um, and a lot of the shots are a lot slower and longer as well. And so you really feel like, all right, we've been on this roller coaster ride for an hour and 45 minutes. And now I'm going to let you sit here in the ending just enough for you to really mull it over. And then, okay, ending's over. Now go think about it <laughs> while you're still in that headspace. Um, I thought that pacing was also very smart for the film to do. Yeah, it's like, you know, your 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 heart rate is up and you're like, oh my gosh, what the hell just happened? And then it just kind of comes to a stop. Mm-hmm. And I think that that shift and that sudden, like it almost like jerks you back awake. Like you've just been on this, like you said, a roller coaster, but it's almost like this this fantasy. Mm-hmm. They were living in this fantasy world and then mm-hmm. slowing down, it's like, oh, okay, back to reality. Here we go. Mm. Yeah, I think that's very true. They were living in their own fantasy and we were right there along with them. And now we're jolted back to their state is back to the, back to the very beginning. Nothing changes for them except for the father, I guess. Yeah, their their situation gets worse. Yeah. Like yeah. The father is stuck in there, the daughter died. So yeah, they're off way worse than they started. Yeah. Man. So one of the things that I found kind of interesting about this film is that there was this really healthy mix of very obvious metaphors or parallels, the whole upstairs, downstairs thing. A lot of the the commentary on social dynamics is pretty obvious. And then there are these very subtle moments that are sprinkled throughout that are also getting at the same thing, but they're not like in your face. And I, I thought it was very fascinating to see a mix of obvious, uh, let me spell it out for you very clearly, commentary, and then these more subtle ones. One of the really subtle ones that I loved, I loved this moment so much, is when the two fathers are in their Indian costumes at the party. And it's all fun, and they're joking around, and the the park father kind of sees that the Kim... Mr. Kim is uh, not down for it or just feeling mm-hmm. kind of reluctant. And the mood immediately shifts to he he plays the card of I'm paying you for this. Yeah. And you see the look on both of their faces and the power dynamic there. And it's so subtle. And it, it lingers there for a moment and then cuts away to the next scene, next shot. But there are those little subtle moments mixed in that I think – are so effective and I'm I think for a lot of films they kind of air on one side or the other they're either very obvious I'm going to spell it out everything to you or they are often very subtle throughout and it was cool to see a mix of them um I'm curious your thoughts on that I I really enjoyed that um because it it made the whole thing feel um, much more cohesive and like mm-hmm. one unit, like everything was working together to get you to pay attention to this thing. Um, I feel like a lot of times if it's, if the message is very, very overt, then it, it feels like it was forced on you and it's easier to reject. And then if, if the message is too subtle, um, often it's overshadowed by like the larger themes so the fact that they chose to do it both overtly and covertly just helped make it feel really well-rounded and like everything was anchored and working together. Mm. Yeah, because I think the other interesting thing about those very overt and covert moments mixed together and working together is that I think it makes the subtle moments more surprising and more unpredictable um which then 
inherently makes them more effective for us as a viewer because we we almost have to work to find them a little bit more and they come more um, surprisingly because we have these other very obvious, the whole, there's this family that lives on a hill and there's this family that lives like down in the dumps. They have to go down in the sewer scene. They have to go down all these steps and whatnot to get to where they are. Um, there are those where you're like, all right, I, I get, I get what you're trying to say and I get what's happening. And then those subtle moments kind of, um, slip in there. And I think I find them more effective next to these really, really obvious ones. Yeah. I think, I think so much of it was well done, even the obvious moments, because everything was so beautiful or it was framed so artfully that I didn't, I wasn't bothered by the overt metaphor Mm. when they were walking up the hill or when they were running down the stairs, like, because it was so well shot, I was like, yeah, this is cool. Keep going. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think typically we'd be a lot more <laughs> frustrated with it when mm-hmm. it's spelled out for us. Yeah. We should talk about that, that whole sewer storm rain scene from a cinematography perspective because it is almost magical in a weird way. Yeah. It's unreal like they how did they combine all of the things that they did and make it work like it's action we're running we're stressed oh my gosh what just happened but then there are moments of humor and there are moments of empathy and then you're going oh my god that's all sewer and there's so much happening in that scene and it's all so beautifully shot I it was, I didn't want to watch it because the thought of it was gross, but I could not stop watching it because it was so good. Yeah, and it's perfectly placed in the plot line as well. Yes. Like, here's this family that have just encountered something vile that they discovered in the basement, right? And they've, there was, there, it comes right after a, a lot of violence as well. And so you feel, they feel that dirtiness and you as viewer feel that dirtiness and then literally they're being covered in their filth. Um, God, I just, and the, the color palette for that whole scene of the the orange light like reflecting off of the sewer water and there's like purple in there as well. There's so yeah. much movement happening. Yes. Yeah, it was constant movement. There was yeah. always something to to watch on the screen. Like your your eyes were busy because there was so much to look at. Yeah. And, and I was just I was I didn't know what to do with the daughter sitting on the toilet and it kept like bubbling black stuff out of oh it. Oh my like, god. That's when I was like I I don't know about this. Y'all, we might need to rethink this. But yeah. it was it was such a uh, a good um, juxtaposition in the midst of of madness. She's gonna find refuge in smoking a cigarette, even if that means that she's gonna be covered in whatever black crap was coming out of that toilet. She didn't care. She just needed a moment. So it was like this this weird, very, very human moment because it was all wrong for that scene. But it was also a moment of comedic relief at the same time when we really, really needed one. Yeah. <laughs> that image of her just smoking the cigarette, trying to get it's away. so good. But yeah, it's, <laughs> it's so well-placed and well-timed as well. Like we, ha- we needed enough of just the right amount of the action and wading through the sewer water. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, it didn't come too early and it didn't come too late. It, the timing, I, again, this film is so delicate and intentional in that way of the timing that and the pacing of when they surface things is, it's just so smart. 
smart and delicate. I keep coming back to those two words. Clearly, those <laughs> are the only adjectives I have in my vocabulary to describe this film. But it's just so smart. But you're right. Like this, this film was was on time. Like, yeah, I feel like a, a lot of films that we watch, like we complain that the pacing was off. Um, that, that was our complaint with motherless Brooklyn. Like the pacing felt off for so much of it, but this, I, I can't think of a scene that was either early or late. Like it felt, it felt like it was on time. It kept rhythm with the story. It's fascinating too, because that's, that's something that's so squishy and difficult to put your finger on why that why we as the viewer needed a certain thing at a certain moment and we're given it at the right time. You know, I think with, it's easier to talk about or to teach um, some of the other filmmaking components, but timing and pacing is such a squishy, tricky one. And it, it changes so much based on all of the other factors of the character arcs and plot moments and the type of film you're making. It's so it's it's like this instinctive instinctive is that a word instinctual no instinctive it is instinctive. a word okay <laughs> gut check there for a second um <laughs> it's this instinctive uh um sensitivity that i think uh the director either has or doesn't have you know and that is so tricky um it's so squishy but when it's it's right it's magical I think the Coen brothers, when you were talking about the pacing and giving us exactly what we needed at the right moments and the right time, I think the Coen brothers also are masters at this of knowing how to give us exactly what we needed at the right time. And what I keep coming back to is that um, this is a, a Korean film that is spoken in a different language other than English. And... American audiences resonate with what's going on. Like the timing is correct, even for people seeing it here in America. I I would have thought that a foreign film might have a maybe different type of pacing than maybe an American film would, um, just because the our cultures are so different. You would think that a, a film that works in you know, Korea really, really well might not work as well here in America. But I guess certain things are, are universal. Um, and maybe stories like this are, are one of them. Yeah, I was thinking about during this film that this reminds me and a lot of the same themes are, are also present in Hustlers, which was also a film that did pretty well and a lot of people went to go see it and liked it. But that story of the poor finding clever ways to make something of themselves and to change their conditions, but failing is oddly quite universal. Um, It's working for a South Korean audience. It's working for American audiences as well. And they're being created at, such a time as this (laughs) i think this these films are very much emerging out of what is top of mind for a lot of people right now um in our political climate in our economic climate um it's fascinating to see these similar stories popping up in across the world and across oceans um so that's really interesting and I love the the sense of responsibility almost in this film because um, it's not just I want to entertain and I want to I want to show you a good story or you know I want to I want to create this beautiful piece of art. Look at this, but it's also going like, hey, I have a responsibility to shed light on this thing. So mm-hmm. in addition to making an entertaining thing that's also beautiful. I'm going to make you stare at this uncomfortable reality in the hopes that maybe by shining a light on it, I don't know, maybe we can change it. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, the film and the film doesn't really give you what they believe the solution is to this thing. Nope. It just kind of brings you in the palm of its hand up close to a reality. Let's you get off the train, <laughs> drops you off there, and and walks away. You know, like, and we as the viewer leaving the theater are forced to reckon with. Oh, now what? Like, okay, what do we do now? Um, but I, I appreciated that it didn't try to solution. Um, it didn't even offer any form of reconciliation or. Um, or possibilities for what's next. It just brings you in the palm of its hand, up close <laughs> and personal, and then drops you off and walks away. And I, I kind of love that it does. it's not in the business of trying to figure out what's next for you. Nope. Nope. It wasn't it wasn't preachy. There wasn't a moral. There wasn't there wasn't even like a like a a, a condemnation of, you know, no. oh, these people are bad. It was just this exists. Open up your eyes. Yeah, and I, I think the the fact that the the wealthy family was so understandable in a lot of ways helped that as well. Um, they they too don't they aren't up close and personal with the realities of their own city and these other classes. Um, so like and are. Are they to blame for that? That's a whole separate discussion. But they haven't. It's not that they know and are turning a blind eye. They, they, in a lot of ways, don't. They too don't know the reality of, of their city. And I left the theater theater feeling like. And I'm, I'm sure everyone leaves, interpreting a different message from the film and for, where they are at in their lives. But I left the the theater feeling like, gosh. This film's the- thesis to me is like check yourself and like check your privilege and figure out like what else, what other human stories are out there because it's easy to live in the context of our worlds and that becomes our world and we don't, we aren't able to see beyond our circles and the people that we interact with and, um, and what else is out there? I was talking with a, a friend about this, and I, I lived and worked in New York City for a couple of months. And after living there and then moving to Dallas and now Seattle, what I found fascinating is that just the fact that you you I am no longer walking around and I'm driving everywhere means that the circles of people that I interact with are just inherently smaller. I go to, I drive to work, I get in my car, I drive to work, I see work people, I drive home, I go somewhere else to see friends, and then I drive home. Like, that, that's my world. Whereas the, the interesting thing about New York is that constantly on the subway, on the, out on the streets, like, you are seeing all types of people and lifestyles and conditions at your fingertips. And it's, it's, it's fascinating how just a mode of transportation will influence circles of people that you come up close and personal with. Um, it was, and I think this film is almost like figure out what other circles are out there and check yourself to see if you, the world that you li- exist in um, is an accurate reflection of what else is actually out there. I love that that's what you took away from it. Because that's not at all what I took away from it. Oh my gosh. Tell me what <laughs> you took away. It's so good though because, I mean, that's there. That's 100% there. But I, I, went to, I went to the macro. I went to the systems and what systems are in place that are keeping wealthy people wealthy and impoverished people impoverished around the world. And how can we um, maybe create a more equitable system? How can we give poorer people who want it, who are, you know, um, intelligent and entrepreneurial and creative and gifted, like, um, like the Kim family, like, how can we give them opportunity to rise out of their station? 
That is so fascinating. This is making me think of the Adobe Creatives Types quiz that I made you take <laughs> that time. Um, the rock with the face. <laughs> the rock with the face. So if you haven't yet taken or heard of the Adobe Creative Types quiz, it's awesome. It's very short. Uh, Sarah had a bunch of problems with the questions because I did. They didn't leave for enough uh, flexibility. But nope. It essentially tells you what your creative personality is and what your tendencies are and all that, all of that jazz. Um, but one of the questions was, do you typically think about things in terms of option A was stories, option B was systems? And this is one of those moments where you went to <laughs> systems and I went to stories and for another film I might go to systems you might go to stories but it's cool to see that we took away very different things and like left the the theater pondering different things um that means that the film is complex enough and open enough for interpretation that we weren't handed everything on a silver spoon you know um I think when we leave probably a marvel movie we might come to a lot of more similar uh thought processes because things are a little bit more spelled out but um I love, I love, love, love when we leave with different things. That's always fascinating to me. I, I, I love that, you know, like a, I mean, this really was a work of art. It was, mm-hmm. it was wonderful. The story itself was not pleasant, but it was a wonderful experience. And I just, I love that when you see creativity displayed like that on the screen, like you walk away taking some of that creativity into your own life and you can see how that creativity will it's it's unique per person you know so like Mm. you took that and applied it to people and you know the stories that people have and I took that creativity and I I went you know the 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 systems route and the you know cultural structure so I just, I love that creativity begets creativity and we can Mm. walk away and maybe create something of our own, even if it's not, you know, in the typical like art realm. And it's, it's so, this is one of the things we love about talking about film is that it's so fun to then leave the theater and come back and hear what you took away. Like it makes the film more dynamic to me now because mm-hmm. I'm able to hear other things that I might not have seen or pulled out of or just didn't go down that path and we saw the same exact hour and 45 <laughs> what is it two hours and three minutes or something like that right we saw the same two-hour film but there's it's now way more dimensional for me because I could hear what you took away and what this person took away from the same content and it makes it feel more dynamic for me, but also helps me understand how your mind works and what things you're thinking about um, much more deeply than if we were to just start talking about, I don't know, the wealth inequality. You know, <laughs> it, it, it gives us this anchor point and you've now run off in a direction that I can follow your train of thought to and understand what what it is you're drawing out and what's resonating and what you care about and um, where your mind wanders to. And I love that. I love that so much. And this is definitely one of those films that gets better the more that you talk about it. Um, mm. And the more that you think about it, the more meat there is to dissect. Like, yeah. it, it really does. It's the gift that keeps on giving, you know? Like, the more <laughs> that I've thought about it, the more that I, I want to think about it, the more I want to talk about it, the more I want to tell everybody, hey, see this film, it's so good. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's very true. I mentioned earlier that this this film does a lot of genre gymnastics. It's in mm-hmm. every direction, and it's so fluid yep. and flexible. Um, one of the things that I thought was really interesting is that the ending violence was so over the top, and... Mm-hmm slightly ridiculous and exaggerated and I was thinking about it and I think they they almost had to do it that way because this film would have felt a lot more dangerous and I think would have distracted from its ultimate 
purpose and the point it's trying to make if the violence had been very realistic and and if they shot it in this very like uh dangerous way like it it's almost comedic and slapstick in Mm -hmm. a lot of ways and I think that was a very intentional choice that they made and I was trying to think about what it is and why they made those decisions um for that tonal shift I yeah once the the violence ramped up I was like did we just enter a Korean Tarantino film? Yeah, what I was thinking the same thing. Be- because it was so over the top. It was kind of out of nowhere and it was funny. Like that that's in all the Tarantino films. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I I I agree with you that it needed to be over the top and I think that whole I mean the whole time that they were in the park I don't know, orbit, it all felt over the top. It was like this like larger than life, grandiose thing. So it only made sense for that violence to also be in that same vein. Otherwise it would have felt like we would have shifted films as opposed to just changing genre. Yeah. And there's so many comedic moments weaved in from the Mm -hmm. beginning as well that, that, that through line had to, to stay um but man, the, the whole third act is absolutely ridiculous it's nuts <laughs> and the pace is much faster as well like the action plot moments just are accelerating mm-hmm. from the beginning to now like the beginning is a lot slower in pace it was almost like I mentioned this earlier. I went into this film thinking it was going to be a thriller. And for the whole first hour and 15 minutes, maybe, I was like, this is not a thriller. Is this a thriller? (laughs) I was like, this is just wrong. This is not a thriller. (laughs) And I was waiting constantly for something to happen. And when is it like things are going to go down the dangerous path? And when the old housekeeper showed up, I was like, oh, is this the moment? And yeah. we do get that moment um, with the discovery of the basement. But it's not a thriller. I don't I don't know if I would categorize this no. as a thriller. No, I, I definitely wouldn't. But I also don't know how I would categorize this. Because like, there were there were thrillerish moments. There were also comedic moments. It was a but it wasn't a full comedy. It was, so I guess maybe a dramedy since apparently that's a thing now. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know, but Drama, not, I wouldn't yeah. call it a filler, a thriller. <laughs> no. Yeah. And it, it, it messed with my expectations cause I was ready yeah. for a thriller. I was like, Oh my God, I need to bring all the snacks to cover my face. <laughs> and the whole first half I'm, like this is this is not this is very peaceful it's like a oceans film meets tarantino for the second half <laughs> it's like a high school yeah. movie for the first hour <laughs> yeah yeah it's you know con artists making their way into a family and then mm-hmm. it all goes to hell so the yeah. fact that this Spans so many drama, uh, not drama, dramas, genre. Excuse me. Um, I think it leaves you on the edge of your seat a little bit more too, because you literally have no idea what's going to be next, and when are the comedic moments going to hit? When are the dramatic moments going to hit? Um, I had no idea what to expect next, and I loved that because a lot of films that we see today, you know, you can kind of get a sense for where this is going and how this is going to end. This was one that I, I felt like I was on a roller coaster ride and I did not know when the next twist and turn was going to be. Yeah. Uh, the fact that there was a whole person living in the basement and nobody knew, like, what in the world? <laughs> like, Lord Jesus. I'm so glad I don't oh, live in a man. house. <laughs> I know, right? Like, I will go to my 
apartment <laughs> gladly tonight. <laughs> yes. Yep. Don't want a basement. Mm-mm. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I agree with you. Like I was, I was focused the whole time. And I think part of it is because of the pacing, but then I think part of it was also because there were subtitles and I had to read. I couldn't, Mm. you know, space out for a little while and think about something else and just kind of listen. I had to actively pay attention to what I was reading, but then also what was going on the screen. Like there was a lot to, for me to do in this. So I stayed engaged for the whole film. Mm. We should do a, we could probably talk for a long time about um, the, the differences in a foreign film with subtitles versus a film that is created in your language because Mm -hmm. inherently it changes the viewing experience a lot. You are probably a lot more focused and attentive to the dialogue and the language and words being said than you might be in like a normal English film, right? Mm -hmm. But I also always feel like I want – I wish I had more sets of eyes because – I'm reading, yeah. but I want to also see what's happening. Like, I, I would love to see this movie again and just focus on the shots and the, the scenes more. Um, just your eyes focus is constantly having to shift back and forth. So it's it's an interesting, it's, an inter- it's a very different viewing experience. And I think even the the language of the film will change your viewing experience too. Like Mm. most of the foreign films that I've seen have been in Italian or Spanish. Like it's some romance language that I've, I've heard a lot before, even though I don't speak it, but it's familiar and I know some words and, but with this, I mean, I don't know that I know anybody that speaks Korean. Like Mm. I don't think I've ever heard it spoken. So even that, threw me off because I couldn't, I couldn't pick out little words that I knew. It was, I had to fully rely on those (laughs) subtitles. Yeah. Yeah. And like, if, if you were to imagine this film with the, everything staying the same, same actors, everything, but they're speaking English. Oh, no. Very different type (laughs) of film, right? Yeah. Very different. Like there's an authenticity and a, mm-hmm. and a purity that I feel like is lost when they're speaking our language, but this is set in Korea. And it, there's, I loved how real and authentic this felt. Um, and I'm so impressed that it's gaining so much momentum too, because I think our aptitude just tends to not to be to go and see foreign films and have to read subtitles, right? So the fact that so many people are excited about this and going to see it is so exciting for the film industry. I'm so pleased. Oh yeah. It gives me, it gives me hope. (laughs) We're not, we're not just stuck with like Marvel films and, you know, superhero movies where there are some real gems out there and there is a, a, an audience for it and a desire for these types of films that are thoughtful and out of the norm. Yeah, I I kept thinking about how this is like sports and why people keep going back is because we go and see the underdogs beat the big shots, you know, like that's Mm -hmm. what a lot of sports is is anchored on is the unexpected and it's not often, but we, we get those moments and it's thrilling and it's exciting and we see them in this blaze of glory, right? And this film feels like that in a lot of ways. It's the underdog this very delicate, thoughtful, foreign film. It has nothing working for it to be wildly successful in the face of Marvel and Disney and all of these big franchises. And yet it is gaining so much traction and spanning far beyond the critics' circles um, to the masses. And that is so fascinating to me. I would have never expected that. If you described this film to me and asked me to to rate how well I thought this would do I would not have rated it this high um for for being so effective oh yeah me neither like I was 
I was shocked that this film was playing at multiple theaters near yeah. me. Like I thought that I would have to go to, I don't know, some like artsy fartsy theater in Dallas in order to see this. And it would mm-hmm. only be one showing at this one theater, but no, I had a bunch of them to choose from. And yeah. I think that alone is, is a, a testament to the, the creativity and the diverse tapestry of, of people that we have viewing these, but also the people that we have creating these films. Yes. Oh my gosh. We, we needed to know about this, this film back in the summer when we were recording all of the franchise films, sequels. And I think there were several times where we're like, this is, this is the state of the film industry, I guess. Uh, it was real depressing, <laughs> yeah. but this is giving me life. Yeah, we needed this uh, a little hint of of uh, parasite back in the summer to be like, "Hey, Jen and Sarah, this is coming." <laughs> Just hold on. But isn't isn't that also interesting though? Like we have all the franchises, all the sequels, all of these hit blockbusters in the summer, like so much it's just coming out of our ears by the time we were done (laughs) and then in the fall like we get these more I don't know thoughtful meditative dramas like these these films that are more risky and are willing to take chances I it's it's interesting how like every season has its own I don't know set of films that belong to it Mm. Yeah, I I I wonder if there's probably well part of it's probably the the closer that they can release to when the yeah. Oscars like it's just you know probably that's a factor but also I think yeah. there's something about what people are in the mood to watch based on seasons too in a weird way mm-hmm. um summer's fun and there's travel and you want to see something light and something about the leaves falling, I guess, in the the winter months and the cold. Just, maybe people are more conditioned to watch something a little bit more reflective and quieter. And um, I don't know. That would be an interesting psych study, huh? I also think, like, I mean, summer, kids are out of school. So, yeah, you true. know, parents want all of the options. Hey, kid, go watch this movie. Leave yeah. me alone. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because all of the ones that, you know, you and I have been talking about and are excited to see, like, I feel like they're all coming out in oh the gosh. same, I don't know, week span. Yeah, end of November, <laughs> I think, beginning of December is when all of the things are coming out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Is there anything else that we haven't touched on yet that you wanted to mention about Parasite? I'm sure there's tons, but anything that you really wanted to call out? There are so many things, but I think we we hit the the, the, big ones. the highlights, you know. For sure. But I was just, I'm still amazed at how meditative and thoughtful this film was. Like, um, part of it, um, like the, the, the moments that were in the house and they were talking about the architect and it was a little bit slower. Like, certain moments reminded me of Columbus, which just made me so happy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some parts with, with the the score and, and the way that it was filmed reminded me of The Farewell, which also just warmed my little heart. Um, so it was just, it was just a wonderful creative expression that would be a great one to see again. I was thinking that, yeah, there's so many shots that I probably would want to notice more um Mm -hmm. a lot of little details that I would have wanted to notice more as well um yeah this is probably going to be even better on a second viewing um now that we've figured out what's living in the basement (laughs) and how it got there and why (laughs) all right well this was our review of Parasite I believe it's going to be out in theaters for a little bit longer. Um, So if you haven't seen Parasite yet, my gosh, this is probably one of Sui's favorites of the year. Um, It is such a work of art. So, such smart 
filmmaking and intentional filmmaking, and we are so here for it. Social commentary is、um, so well communicated and and leaves you with enough to chew on and. So much goodness in this film. So, we highly recommend seeing *Parasite*. And、uh, again, this is our little strategic whimsy experiment—the、um, joy of getting to watch a film and talk about it together, and analyze it, and pick it apart,、um, and hear each other's thoughts and and all of our guest stars. So, we encourage you to find your little strategic whimsy experiment—something that you just adore and love.、Um, And just to do it without any pressure of expectation、um, or of results. So we will see you next week on、uh, Sui. In the meantime, have an amazing week, and we'll see you soon.